Hey, I want to pray for us. I'm not going to go long at all, but I feel like what I have to share tonight from the Word is kind of important, kind of weighty. So, Lord, as we endeavor to just kind of hear your voice speaking through Scripture and through a, a flawed vessel, me, anoint the scripture to our hearts, Lord, in a way that's gonna, that's gonna meet the needs of everyone in this room tonight. And Lord, just open up the eyes of our understanding to behold what is the, the height, the depth, the width of your love for us, that you would come out of a timeless eternity take shape, take on flesh and bone, and live on the planet, just not that far across the ocean over there in Israel, and what that means for us tonight. So speak through the word now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been doing a three-part Christmas series. If you've been with us beginning last Sunday, then you know that. So tonight is the last one in the Jesus, our brother. We don't often think of Jesus as our brother, and yet that's a totally scriptural way to think about him and our relationship to him. Yes, he is our Lord, our King, our Savior, our God, the captain of our salvation, and uh, so much more. But he is our brother. And so this morning, we saw how Jesus effectively removed the weapon of death from Satan's hands. Satan enslaves humanity. That in, this is a universal truth, according to Hebrews 2, that humanity is enslaved through the fear of death. Death is Satan's weapon, and the fear of it keeps people in bondage. And so... We said that the, the fear of death was not necessarily walking around just worried, you know, that I might, I might die today or whatever, you know, kind of a weird sort of a fear, but it's rather living in denial of it. We don't want to think about it, so we keep it at arm's length. And so we try and, and fool ourselves into thinking that life must be made up of experiences, that that has to be the meaning of life, because what else could it be? If this is all there is, then, then we, you know, if we only get our whatever, 70, 80, 90 years, if we're super blessed, then eat, drink, be merry, travel, party, do as much as you can, go as many places as you can, have as many experiences as, as you can, and then post it all on social media so that other people will look at you and go, wow, what an amazing life they're living. Well, the tyrant Pharaoh, Satan, pushes us to do more, to gain more, to experience more, because if this is all there is, then you better get moving. Experience is the be-all and the end-all. But then you, you come to, at a certain point, you know, you come to the disappointing realization that experiences don't make you lastingly happy. They just don't. And you might get a thrill, 
and you might be able to brag about what you did and the thing, you know, and so on, but you will end up back at ground zero again, guaranteed. And if we're really honest, there's usually more satisfaction in the anticipation of the thing than there is in the actual ex experience itself. Well, tonight we're gonna get another amazing reason why Jesus had to become a human being, had to become our brother. So two verses, Hebrews 2, 17, therefore he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So here we are introduced to the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Jesus is our high priest currently. And so why do we need a high priest? That's the obvious question. Why, what, what is a priest going to do for us? Uh, you know, if you're Christian here tonight, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I gave my life to Christ and I'm born again. Why, what is it that, that I need Jesus to be my priest about? You know, it, uh, didn't his blood atone for all my sins and pay off my debt? Why should he now have to be making intercession on our behalf and so on? Well, the same problem is presented in Exodus. And this morning we illustrated our point from Exodus that Jesus took the weapon of death from Satan's hands and then used it against him by dying upon the cross and disarming the rulers and the authorities and making a way for us slaves to be free. Well, tonight we'll use the book of Exodus to illustrate this point, the priesthood and its necessity. So in Exodus 28, you have a redeemed people. They are protected from judgment by the sprinkled blood of the lamb. You remember that from this morning. They're brought out of bondage from Egypt, separated unto God as a people unto God, God dwelling in their midst, and yet a priesthood was appointed on their behalf. Why? Why did they need a priesthood? Why do we need a high priest today? Well, in a word, temptation. Temptation. In verse 18, the word temptation, it's the Greek word parazo, and it, it's much broader than being tempted to sin. Um, it also covers the territory of being tested to ascertain the quality of something. You test it to see if it, how strong it is, you see. And so the priesthood was for the maintaining, not the initiating or the securing, of their relationship with the Lord. You see, like, like you and like me, they, the people of Israel way back when, were a people subject to temptation and weakness and fear and doubt and sin and failure. That's why the priesthood was necessary, and that's why it's crucial for us today. I remember going to a, a ladies' retreat, one of the few ladies' retreats I've ever been to. Um, but my wife invited uh, a few of us worship team folks to go up and lead worship for a session at, at a ladies' retreat. And uh, Maureen Schaefer 
who has since gone to be with Jesus, uh, was the featured speaker. So I rode up to Chalice uh, to the retreat center there with her husband, John. And so as we're going along, we're driving along and, and um, uh, we stopped to stretch our legs. John thought he heard uh, in the bushes a rattling. He thought it might be a rattlesnake. So we go over there. I let him go first. We go over there and, and you know, we look in the bushes and, and it's a bug that's making a, that kind of a noise, a rattly kind of a noise. So that's interesting. But then John began to regale me with his exploits. He's killed, he told me, three rattlesnakes in his life. Like he's a rattlesnake hunter guy or something, you know? So he's like, wow, I'm impressed. I'm with Indiana Jones, I hate snakes. But John's killed three rattlesnakes. And so that's pretty impressive. Well, we go up to the retreat, we get there, and uh, we, uh, we're dishing up some food to sit down and eat before the session, and all of us are sitting down, except for John, uh, who comes walking into the, uh, up to the dinner table, and at the very moment that he walks up to the dinner table, he sees something out of the corner of his eye that's hanging off of his shirt or his sweater, and he kind of screams, ah! What is it? Get it off me! Get it off me! So I look and I can see right away it's a crouton. <laughs> yeah, the, those, those little square pieces of bread that are such a threat to humanity. And so, so I go up to him and I say, John, wait, 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 wait. And I grab it and I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I throw it down on the table and everybody sees it's a crouton. Needless to say, we had a bit of a laugh over Pastor John the Rattlesnake Killer being frightened by the crouton. But here's the thing, I bring that up to say this, though the big scary snake Satan has been dealt with by Jesus at the cross who wielded the very weapon of Satan against Satan, we are saved and, and probably most of us have a, have a wonderful sense of assurance uh, in our hearts that we belong to him. But, but, you know, the big issues maybe are settled at least to a certain degree. It's the little things that get to us. It's the croutons. It's, yeah, that's a dumb illustration. <laughs> but it's things like, Lord, I know, I know that I'm saved. I know that you love me. But I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. Lord, I, I thank you for giving your life for me. I know I'm forgiven, but what about my marital situation? Lord, I'm bought with the blood, but, but what about my teenager that's, that's just going off the rails in rebellion right now? Or Lord, how can I overcome my anger problem or my lust issue? These, these things plague me, they bother me. They, they haunt me along the journey. And this is why we need the high priestly ministry of Jesus. The, the same grace that brought the children of Israel near to the Lord would be provided to keep them near to the Lord. Priesthood has to do with maintenance, staying close to the Lord. 
when we, we can come boldly to the throne of grace when in our time of need, in our time of trouble, in our time of temptation, our time of testing. You see, we're a people who even when we do good, evil is still present with us. We never fully get away from it. So we desperately need our high priest and his ministry. So let me give you a couple of truths and, and we'll wrap this up tonight. And so Jesus had to become like us in order to be merciful, truly merciful to us. Again, verse 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So don't think that Jesus like took shortcuts or he came down in the form of a superhero or, you know, anything like that. No, he was fully human. Fully human. That he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. So Jesus' humanity was to serve his ability to represent us mercifully. So you, you're tracking with that. So because he became a real human who lived a real life on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, he is able to connect with us and understand us. Now this is pictured beautifully in the book of Exodus. And I, I, this is why I love the Old Testament so much. It's like a picture book for us that just gives dimension and nuance to the, to the New Testament truths in such a wonderful way, greater depth. So in Exodus 28, we discover that the high priest in Israel had seven unique pieces of clothing to wear as he performed his, his ministry. We won't go through them all. Um, but these seven pieces of clothing would adorn the high priest, but first on the list, and by far the most costly, is the breastplate, or the breast piece, as some uh, translations say. Exodus 28, 15, you shall make a breast piece of judgment in skilled work, in the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, fine twine linen shall you make it. It shall be square and doubled, and its span and length a span for its breadth. So let me, let me just sort of sum that up for you. The breast piece was made of cloth and it was to be doubled to form an inside pocket and it would be approximately a span as the distance between tip of your uh, pinky, tip of your thumb, about eight or nine inches. So it would be n nine inches square and then there would be 12 precious gems that were uh, mounted in a gold setting, but somehow attached to that square piece of cloth, which was tied onto the, uh, to the breast of the high priest. And, and these precious gems, they were 12 stones, and on each stone was the name of a tribe of Israel. Now, the implications of this are, are fascinating. Let me just quickly give you a couple. The gems picture the people of God. Okay, that's the idea. So Exodus 28, 21, there shall be 12 stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved which, with its name for the 12 tribes. So 
So though each gem had the, the name of a tribe, the implication is that each person was carried on the heart of the priest into the presence of the Lord that each person of the people of God carried in on the heart of the high priest. So the implication for us is that our high priest, Jesus, carries each of us on his heart into the presence of the Father. Exodus 28, 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord, carrying the people of God into the presence of God. What does Hebrews 9, 24 say? Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. On our behalf. Jesus appears before the Father at this very moment with you on his heart. And he's not going to the Father to complain about you. What a lousy Christian you are. He's going on your behalf to advocate for you. You're a gem to God. Secondly, and this will just expand upon that idea. You are precious, precious in his sight. So verse 17 through 20, it lists these different types of gems. They're mounted on this breastpiece and thus on the heart of the high priest. All of them are precious and beautiful. But if you notice carefully that there, there are no, there, that each one of those stones is precious. There are no dirt balls or spit wads on the breastpiece of the high priest. He's not carrying dirty diapers into the presence of God. It's, it's beautiful, it's precious, it's not 12 rotten eggs, it's precious gems. Now we are seen, now you, you need to receive this tonight, you are seen by the Father and His Son, our High Priest Jesus Christ, who carries us on His heart, you are seen as precious. Now it, for some reason, that's a hard truth for us to receive. Because we, we, can't, we can't seem to just, you know, think of ourselves that way because we're so haunted by our flaws. We can never just get away from them. So we think, I can't, that can't like be true of me. I think it's true of those like really good Christians, but not me. Listen to this verse, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's from Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. He says, Father, um, I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you love me. You love them even as you love me. The Father loves you even as he loves Jesus. 
your big brother. This is so glorious and astounding. It's almost too much to embrace and take in, but it's true. And, and though we sometimes feel like a dirt ball or whatever, God never views us that way. He just doesn't. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. Think about that. Moms and dads, think about that. Behold what manner of love the Father. I mean, when John says that in 1 John 3, it's like, like open your eyes, man. Behold, this, this is a sight to see. Another interesting thing about, about gems is that, that without light, the beauty of a gem can't be seen. So it has to have light flooding into it to bring the beauty out of it. And that's why we're told in scriptures like 1 John 1, 7, we walk in the light as he is in the light. So the, the beauty, even, even in the midst of our earthenness, the beauty of Christ shines through, through earthen vessels. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You're a gem. You really are. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, carries us on his heart even now. In Hebrews 7, 25, I think, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Like he never stops bringing us to the Father. Because of that, you're gonna be okay. You are. He knows the temptations that you face, the trials that you're going through. And even when we fail, he advocates for us. So can I suggest to you, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up, but can I suggest to you that there's nothing that life can throw at us that Jesus can't pull us through? Nothing. So why not then, why not come boldly to the throne of grace tonight so that you can receive help in whatever, whatever you're facing, whether you're in the throes of temptation to sin or, or you're being pressured and mocked at work or, or you're struggling with debt and confusion or you did something really stupid or you're hurting in some way or you're in trouble with the law or whatever it is. Why not come to the throne of grace? No matter what the thing is in your life right now, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, you are a gem to him. He carries you on his heart continually. Jesus is your big brother. And he can help. He really can.
Is the worship team, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's pray. So Lord, this is such an amazing time of year. And a lot of times, Lord, we get so caught up in the, the activities of it and the gatherings and so on, which are all awesome and wonderful, but, but to really behold your beauty and your glory and to realize who you are and what you've done and becoming a human being and, and going through life, real life, sorrow and pain and betrayal and joy and happiness and laughter and love, relationship, sadness, sickness. So you get us, Lord, you do. And you're able to be merciful to us. You know, you're not in some distant place where you just, you can't understand why we would do such a thing or it's just not like that at all. You're our merciful high priest. So Lord, I pray that we would, in just th this moment as we, as we get ready to light our candles and, and illustrate that you are the light of the world and we, because of you, are now the light of the world. And we don't wanna hide our lamp under a bushel. burdened some way tonight and the circumstances of life are just really heavy right now for you or maybe it's you're realizing that you you've never you've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you're in a desperate place in, in your marriage or your health or whatever it might be I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now and I want to pray for you and, and I believe that Jesus, your high priest, is going to bless you tonight. He's going to bless you. Do you have a need? Are you in the throes of difficulty and trial and temptation? uncertainty, doubt. Stand to your feet tonight. standing here tonight and Lord you are you are acquainted with their situation it's not like you've been aloof 
we're not paying attention. Lord, you know. You've, you've searched out our path. Nothing that's happening right now has taken you by surprise. But there's something, Lord, that is so powerful about us embracing our own weakness in the midst of difficulty, our own inability, that somehow our weakness is prelude to your power, that humility is what, is what brings grace and the power of God in our lives. So Lord, for every person that's standing right now and just humbly saying, Lord, I'm needy and I need you. I need you for this salvation, uh, for this situation, for salvation or for this uh, financial uh, crisis that we're in or for this marital struggle, this health thing that's happening. God, I pray right now that as our high priest, that you would meet the needs of your people and start tonight, Lord, by right now lifting the weight, lifting the weight of the burden. And Lord, you carry that burden for my brothers, for my sisters. And reassure them that they are loved, that they are precious in your sight, that they are carried upon your heart to the presence of the Father again and again and again. And nothing can possibly separate them from your love. And so bless all who are standing. Let joy and peace begin to flood their hearts and minds this very night. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated.